you this expensive paper to type on. And I got a great deal on this 50-pound clunker on account of it's missing an N. I told the sales lady N was one of the letters in my favorite writer's name. It's it's two of the letters of my favorite nurse's name, Annie. <laughs> you fooler. Did I do good? You did great. <laughs> there is just one little thing. Uh, I can't work on this paper. See, it's crass, full bond. It, it smudges. So I thought maybe if you went back into town, you could bring me some long green mimeo. But mine costs the most. So I don't see how it can smudge. Come here, I'll show you. much after all. Isn't that fascinating? I thought you'd be interested. I'd, I'd like for you to be in on everything, Annie, not just the finished book, but how it's written. Thank you for thinking of me. Anything else I can get while I'm in town? Any other crucial requirements that need satisfying? Would you like a tiny tape recorder? Or how about a handmade set of writing slippers? Well, just the paper will be fine. Are you sure? Because if you want, I'll bring back the whole store for you. Annie, what's the matter? What's the matter? I'll tell you what's the matter. I go out of my way for you. I do everything to try and make you happy. I feed you, I clean you, I dress you. And what thanks do I get? Oh, you bought the wrong paper, Annie. I can't write on this paper, Annie. Well, I'll get your stupid paper, but you just better start showing me a little more appreciation around here, Mr. Man. Marys, please welcome to the stage Annie Wilkes, Kathy Bates. Ann Wilkes. <laughs> Ann, yeah. Ann Wilkes is played by Kathleen Bates. Ugh. <laughs> Ann, uh, I just, I, I, I'm, I don't even know what to say. I, uh, fascinating, fascinating. I just, Annie Wilkes. Annie Wilkes. Annie Wilkes. Yeah, iconic, right? Like, uh, and, yeah. and notably so. This was your first time seeing Misery, correct? Yes, this was my first time seeing it. You know, I knew three things about it and, uh, apparently, I thought Lauren Bacall was something else entirely in this movie. So I knew not, I probably knew two things about this. Mm. Um, and, you know, I kind of never watched it because I thought, well, it, it's like a man in peril, you know, like give me, you know, uh, Wendy Crewson mm. as Paul Sheldon, Paula Sheldon, then maybe I'll watch, you sure. know. Yeah, when, um, when uh, you were talking about Lauren Bacall, uh, this, it's been a while since I've seen this movie, and those scenes that aren't in the cabin just don't register to me. Like, I didn't even remember Bunny, um, it, you know, the, the deputy, the wife. Uh, right, I, right. I only remember these scenes, and rightly so, right? Because they are, for a young person seeing this movie, just so, so traumatic. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're so indelible. I mean, I would, the only thing I, well, I mean, I loved the, the cuts to Lauren Bacall because I just loved seeing, like, 1989 New York mm, you know what I mean okay. you know like in, in the very last scene when you see him walking to the restaurant I'm like oh mm. look at all that look all that turn of the decade fashion so 
but I, yeah, I, I knew that she was in it, but for some reason I thought like, oh, maybe she's like the cover model on the book. But I mean, lovely idea, but I think it, by 1990, 1989, Lauren Bacall had aged out of being the cover model in a romance novel. So I don't know where I got this idea. I was just being progressive. Excuse me. Excuse me. I think I'll be going now. Yeah. I think I'll be going now if you'll excuse me. So back to this clip of the week. Uh, Mary's for, if you don't know, we are covering the movie Misery to kick off our All Right Scary season. And this movie is from 1990, uh, basically an 80s movie, but 1990, based Mm -hmm. on Stephen King's novel. This is uh, notably one of the only movies that follows Stephen King's book very closely. That's what I'd read. I mean, there were like a few little changes here and there, and, you know, Virginia, as played by Francis Sternhagen, wasn't even in the book. Mm. But... I, yeah, what I'd read was more or less, this was, you know, the only thing that was maybe the major difference was uh, getting hobbled instead of amputated. Right. Uh, And I think at the end I read, she actually attacks him with a chainsaw instead of coming in from the bedroom and jumping on top of him. Oh, shit. I mean, like reading some of the stuff that was in the book, I don't want to read the book, but it sounds like a nightmare. Like, I read something about his thumb as well. I mean, it just sounds like... I've only really read Carrie, I guess. And I feel like that's a totally different format. And I'm, I feel like for as much as I, you know, everyone's like, oh, Stephen King, he's so scary. I've never actually like taken the plunge. Mm. So I, have you, you, I've, I've read, you read I've read Pet Cemetery, which was Ugh. way too scary for me to read. I read it and I think I just was reading words. Nothing really I, I wasn't really comprehending it. That's a very long book, very difficult book. Short title, long book, yes, crazy. You know? Yes, uh, Salem Slot, what else? Uh, Carrie, The Shining, and uh, I think that's it. I think that's it. You haven't read Dolores Claiborne? <laughs> no, I didn't read Dolores Claiborne. I really wanted to read Gerald's Game, but you mm. know, uh, I, I couldn't convince my mom to buy that one. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, Debbie, I could understand. There's like handcuffs on a bed on the cover. I remember owning for a long time, but never reading Rose Matter. Oh. And I don't know what it's about. I feel like it's about a woman on the run from an abusive husband. And I remember being like, ooh. But it's also like, you know, 500 pages in Stephen King. So it's probably a lot more than that. Mm. So I've never read it, but that was like the closest I got was like, you know, great drag name, Rose Matter. Mm. But, um, yeah, that's it. So this felt like a glimpse into, you know, ugh, if I took the dive into Stephen King, how dark it can get. Yeah, and one of the things that uh, when I was kind of preparing for this discussion, uh, I was like, what does Stephen King say about this movie and this book? Um, and I just watched the movie with this lens, but he equated this relationship between Annie and Paul as one of um, addiction. Right, 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 That that was kind of the, this was all the metaphor for his battles with addiction. Yeah, she won't uh, let you leave. I just love that. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and like, the, the what it takes, like, getting amputated. Like, mm-hmm. just, I, I get the sense from the book that he gets out of there by the skin of his teeth, you know? And yeah. I think that's, 
that's kind of the fascinating lens of reading the book and, and getting the more gruesome version of misery with the chainsaw and the chopped off thumb is mm. kind of like appreciating that metaphor. Yeah. The idea of God, it, it, you needing that person in that moment, right? Like he needed her to survive mm-hmm. and yeah. she was killing him slowly and she had no intention of letting him go. When, yeah, and she had that line. She's like, you know, and you know, and if I die, you die, uh, you know? And I think that was uh, like, uh, I thought, well, he said a mouthful right there, mm-hmm, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then just the isolation of addiction, right? That, that part mm-hmm. of it also didn't, uh, fall short on me um you know the 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 change of weather right it it's starting in the winter and then once it starts raining you know things get worse because the the hold on that person is slipping away yeah and like the myth that the roads are closed or the phone lines are down mm. you know that like there's no escape from this like all of that being you know there's that idea that i, I could never be happy sober you know mm-hmm. like i'll never have fun if i don't have a drink and so i feel like that's the equivalent of like the roads are all closed there's nowhere to go yeah. the lines are all phone lines are all down yeah the uh, lies right? and it's a lie yeah. it's all a lie this is helping yeah. you this is helping you this is help i'm helping right you. just stay here right. take your pill right yeah and then even well, and, yeah go ahead Oh, I was going to say, well, that was another element of the book was that Paul was also relapsing. They had an, like the character had a drug problem. And so by Annie giving him the pain meds, he started relapsing into his drug you know, addiction issues. And so that was another thing he was like suffering through in this cabin, which I think might have made the movie almost too unbearable. Oh, for sure. Yeah. One of the other elements of the book that uh, that I read about. Uh, so, again, it's, this, you know, secondhand, but that. Paul actually wanted to write that that's actually that helped him get through it which I think Mm -hmm. if you're going with that addiction metaphor uh, certainly makes sense oh like in terms of like the only way to kind of like push through the addiction is just to focus on the work yeah whereas in the movie Mm -hmm. it was depicted like oh I have to write to stay alive to appease you know this this person right right well and I guess that's the other lens of it is that you know Annie also represents all of these insane fans I'm sure that Stephen oh, King has in real life oh my god that is and that's going to be part of our discussion I'm sure the the fanaticism you know one of yeah. the one of the things I wrote down what did I write oh god oh when she comes in oh and then we'll talk about the clip of the week but when she comes in and she's like you murdered my misery and she's you know you dirty bird how could you um I don't want her spirit I want her um it really <laughs> just it reminded me it's like someone sent her favorite drag queen home for a subjective oh, reason yeah. or something <laughs> right it's it's sending sister sister death threats yeah it's it's just like what where is it yeah i mean it's it's kind of interesting right now i mean maybe this is a, a taboo equation but i know you know ahora really put her foot in her mouth mm. uh re ronnie green and has been getting it back tenfold and i you know i don't think i don't agree with either side i think everyone should shut their fucking mouth you know but um it is interesting that, you know, there is that that kind of like it, it's not hard to see how one is sort of an extreme example of the other and how like Annie Wilkes isn't that crazy of a notion. No, no. I mean, granted, obviously, there's so many issues with Annie Wilkes that I don't think she's a yeah. whole bag of issues. Yeah. Like I, I think there was in the IMDb trivia that there was some 
forensic psychologist who was like, yeah, she is a buffet of issues. <laughs> like, this is everything. So there's, you know, uh, there's one thing to tell a drag queen to kill herself. There's another thing to, like, hobble your favorite author so he'll write your the book you want. Yeah. I know they're different. I know. Yeah. No, we know. We know. We're, we're just trying but to. But they're not that different. We're, we're yeah. trying to make sense of it or just trying to update it a little bit because I think it's worth yeah. it because especially because uh, last month we did the fan um, and you know that we had a lot to say uh, on Matreon about mm-hmm. uh, fanaticism and how it relates today but uh, yeah and, and, it's an interesting connection yeah, yeah. yeah. this is it, mm-hmm. it's it's horrifying um, to be cornered by and then controlled by and then trapped by right um, a, a fan that is not happy with you or you or you or you yeah. I love that so far you know and Mary's who are free skate Mary's you know if you want to hear these episodes you can become a Matreon at patreon.com slash all right Mary but I love that our Matreon only our all right scaries so far have been hello again and what lies beneath which is all about somebody dying and you know quote unquote coming back to life and then the fan and misery that's all about like extreme fandom mm. I mean we didn't plan this. No, we did by not. the way. We did not. But uh, I feel like um, there's some metaphor in there. We're doing something. I just wanted to note that we're we're dancing some kind of dance right now, but I don't know the beat. Oh, uh, for sure. So let's let's dive into this clip of the week. I think my favorite line from it and her delivery. God, I can't wait to just keep praising Kathy Bates. But she goes, "You fooler! Did I do good?" Uh, she she has a couple of moments like that where she is oh, yeah. taken well, with him and she falls for his flattery so easily. And this twinkle in her eye, this thing that she does with, with the sides of her mouth when she smiles. Oh, my God. Go for it. I was going to say there is uh, it. I can't remember where it was, but it, it, the first time she did that where I like swooned was he says something. I think it's like he offers for her to read his book and then I think she does like a silent me and oh, I can't remember, or I yes, can't remember what it was yes yes me uh, yeah I, I, I know yes yeah. I noted that too it's um I think it's it oh yes it's when she's shaving him and yeah mm-hmm, uh, she mm-hmm. reveals that she was kind of stalking him when he was at the lodge um and uh, she, has, she has some line about making you feel all oogie um and yeah and then uh-huh. the way she is just honored honored that he's gonna let her read his new book uh yeah she and she kind of turns away she touches her chest uh Mm -hmm. and she does it she says like i could do that (laughs) she has that line as well and it's full bodied like her whole body like you know sort of collapses a bit as she says that Mm. and it's oh it's it's great i really i mean it's worth saying now you know 13 14 minutes into the episode a completely deserved Oscar for Kathleen Bates. Agreed. I mean, Agreed. it is. Yeah. I mean, I think that was the delight was like realizing why have I not watched this movie? This is an actress sexual's dream. Mm. She is. I mean, it. and I love that like before this, she didn't really have much of a movie career. Right. I mean, other than come back to the five and dime Jimmy Dean, like she wasn't in anything major. And like then like this was the role. And so I also love that at the time, People didn't really know. They didn't expect this from her. Whereas now we come, we very much come to expect a certain type of performance from Kathy Bates. You know, very much so. Yeah, it the way that she was able to portray just unhinged, even at the beginning, the way she can mm-hmm. be, she is able to 
put into these words kindness and at the same to same time we know she's dangerous right well and, and to the point where we almost i remember like while i was watching this I remember thinking like oh i just i kept thinking how would i appease her how would i keep her calm how would i keep her from losing her mm. shit like how would i how would i manipulate her i guess to get out of this because I don't know. I became like intimidated by Annie Wilkes. I started to really think about like, how the hell would I get out of this? I, I love this character because she is a very able woman. She carried him from the car. She got him out of the car. She chops yep. wood. She takes care of a farm. She hobbles him. She, she knows how to do all of this like medical stuff. I mean, if you think about it, I know it's kind of problematic to say, but she's kind of a badass, right? There are some people that will survive the apocalypse, and she's one of them. Yeah. Well, and I love that, you know, when we, quote, unquote, really first meet her, you know, we don't really see her. We just see, uh, you know, somebody carrying him, like, prying him out of the car and carrying him. And, uh, yeah, your first thought is is just like, oh, here is, I mean, basically, like, Grizzly Adams, you know? Mm. Here's this, you think, mountain man who saved him. And I think then there's there's kind of a delight in, in him waking up and seeing it's her. It's like, Oh, it's, it's Annie Wilkes. Yes. Like I, uh, yeah, the movie does this thing where you kind of root for her in a way or kind of sympathize in a way. I don't know. I, uh, I you know, I'm fascinated by her house. Like, what does she do all day? I love the scene where she's eating the Cheetos and watching love connection uh, and drinking the Coca-Cola from the leader. I mean, it made me think of Goldie Hawn in in uh, Death Becomes. Oh when, yeah, in the early scene. Mm. Yeah, um, I, I just I I think about what her. I mean, we learn a lot about her life, right? And then what it's become, and how she maintains in this cabin, this sense of normalcy, right? She is not swayed by anything. I mean, he gives her the finger towards the end, right? Just as she comes mm -hmm. back and she's like, oh, my temper, you know, she doesn't, she just doesn't see and feel like everybody else does. And I, I just find that a little fascinating, the way that they portrayed it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I think uh, it's like then as we get her backstory, what I appreciate is that we don't, she doesn't kind of betray any of that and then suddenly give us like her origin story or her villain story. Mm. We get it through him looking through the, the photo album. So I feel like Annie Wilkes never betrays what Annie Wilkes would do in every situation. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, she always maintains that alternate reality, you know, even up to the end where it's like, he's like, yeah, you know, all we need is another glass. Like she, she's still seeing the world through those eyes, even though she knows like, well, yeah, we're going to have a, a glass of, you know, Dom Perignon, as she says, <laughs> and, you know, smoke a cigarette, and then I'm going to kill us. Yeah. And, like, that's just her reality. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and it's, and, yeah, and crafty, crafty enough even, I mean, she's brilliant, right? Because she, when, the, when Buster comes, she already knows how to spin this. Like, oh, well, yeah. I, have to, I have to explain the paper. Because he probably talked to the person at the convenience store, right? And right. she she's like, "Well, I'm just I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the writer. Do you want to read what I wrote? Like everything." And it it's so it was impressive. Yeah, it's yeah. so calculated. Oh my god! Yeah. And I have to just mention this: her outfits are iconic. Oh, I mean Halloween costumes. Yes, you know, which especially if it's a cold Halloween, great Halloween costumes, but. Uh, this is the. Uh, I feel like this 
or if I see somebody dressed as Wendy Torrance, I'm like, mm-hmm. you win. Mm-hmm. Like, these are my, these are, you know, I'll accept a bloody carry, but we've all seen a bloody yeah. carry. Give me a Wendy Torrance. Give me an Annie Wilkes. Yeah. yeah. Or, or give Carrie's me a Dolores mom. Claiborne. Dolores Claiborne. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, but, you know, that, I don't even know. It's, uh, it's a dress that has sleeves with, a, but, but there's a shirt underneath the dress. Is that what it is? Um, so, yeah, Annie Wilkes has kind of those denim dresses that have kind of a like a, a scoop top and then mm-hmm. she wears a little like turtleneck underneath mm. it yeah oh, uh, or a little like plaid shirt or something yeah yeah so well i i particularly love though the dress that she wears when they have dinner i mean oh. with the little little lace doily mm-hmm. and it's like a little floral thing and she just oh it's so dowdy but it's also like there's a sadness and like this, you could almost picture a scene, the, like a cut scene of Annie getting ready for the date, mm. you know, and like picking up the dress and doing her hair. Yeah. Like it's really kind of sad and beautiful. Yeah. I, the, you know, props to the costuming. I don't know if it's described, I'm assuming it is in the book about like what she mm. wore to dinner. Right. Um, oh, I'm sure. You know, yeah. Oh God. I, I want to return to our clip of the week because I think it is an interesting place to start. If we're talking about Kathy Bates's performance, um, her, the way that she is able to transition uh, from, you know, very excited to be providing the space for him. Did I do good asking for his approval and then when she didn't do good, mm-hmm. her reaction, right? And it, it, yeah. I, it's, and I hate to be so vulnerable, but like, I feel like I've experienced this before in my own life where it's this, anything else I can get for you? You know, this sarcasm, like, I'll bring back the whole store for you, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, wanting more from him. Yeah. It, what was interesting was watching you could see the transition on her face that she didn't get the right paper. Mm-hmm. Her logic of, but I bought the most expensive Ugh. paper was incorrect. Yes. And so there's that like shame of like, I did something wrong mm. and you told me. And so it's your fault. Mm. And, you know, and I love that. I love that. It wasn't that he offended her. It's that he inadvertently shamed her, but she really was just like beating herself up. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, and then just spiraled. And and certainly, I mean, we've joked about, you know, your mother's expression of hang me by my thumbs. Right. But it's certainly a variation of that of, like, uh, you have now taken this abundantly personal, you know, as if you had, you know, made the paper smudgy all by yourself, as if that's how you designed it. You know, it's... Yeah, um, yeah. And it's a great, like, micro example of how Annie spins out. Right. I mean, to the fact that then she spins into mocking him, like... You know, mm-hmm. oh, you bought the wrong paper, Annie. Like, almost like she is evoking something else or invoking something else, right? Something from even perhaps her childhood, right? And then it, go- yeah. and then it goes to violence. Right, right. Yeah, and it's, oh, God, which, you know, this movie just makes my legs hurt the entire time. Oh. Like, when she smashes the paper down on his legs. And, I mean, from the beginning, because this movie also takes about five minutes before the car is crashed. Correct. So they really don't waste any time, and... James Kahn spends most of the movie in great disrepair. Mm -hmm. And so it's, yeah, there's, uh, I had so many sympathy pains watching this and, you know, credit to James Kahn. His performance of pain is, uh, was very, was, was the other side of, of, you know, these awful moments. He did it very well. Oh, uh, uh, for sure. I, I don't, 
I think the hobbling scene, I can't even wrap my head <sighs> around. I know he I was drugged, away. but yeah, no, of course you had to look away. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. I thought of you and I was like, oh, Colin didn't see that. Because <laughs> I, I think I, like I, I've seen people show clips of that. Like, so I, was, I knew it was coming and I kind of knew what it looked like. And I kind of knew the, 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 the turn of the, the foot. Mm. Um, but yeah, as it started, I was like, okay, I know what it's going to be. So I'm just going to look at my phone for a little bit. Mm. And I'm glad they only showed one leg, you know? So for anyone who hasn't seen this, they only sh really show it once. And then it's all on James Caan to perform it, the second leg getting hobbled. And that's where I was like, wow, that's a pretty good performance. He's, I really believe has been, he's been hobbled in this moment. Oh God. Yeah. The, um, I, the, the other kind of detail of that scene, if we're just jumping over to that scene is the face she makes when she's swinging the hammer. Oh God. I, it's, I mean the, the pacing of those lines, I, there's an apologetic tone uh. to it. There's like, it's, it's, Oh God. I think that's, what's so interesting is that like a lot of times Annie doesn't do these things with like rage. It's just like this either cold malice or this like, you know, tough nurse where it's like, eh, yeah, well, that's your medicine. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And then to end that scene with her line delivery God, I love you. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. It, there's almost a that's when she won it moment. It's mm -hmm. so grotesque. Yes. You know? Yes. Horrifying. Horrifying yeah. for so many reasons outside of this scene, right? Because yeah. the words, God, I love you, are used violently. I mean, that's what this is. That's what it turns into. It's just like this. I mean, that's what all of this is, is violent love, you mm -hmm. know? Uh, it's That's certainly the... I don't think that's, I was going to say that's the most violent this movie is, but then I forgot about the gunshot. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, even, I, God, I, when she comes in, I think it's raining. It's when she realizes, you know, it's over. Oh, and she says, yeah. she says, oh my God, she says, you'll never know the fear of losing someone like you if you're someone like me. And then reveals the gun. I, like, that type of manipulation, that type of violence, right? Like when people say words are violent, right? Like th there's a lot to unpack with that. But this is uh, like it's his fault. Yeah, right. I mean, and that's – it was those dynamics that made me think, well, what would I say to her in this moment to get out of this? Like how would I fool her? How would I use these delusions against her? You know what I mean? Mm. Um, how do I – like, I kept thinking, you know, oh, just, like, appease her, you know, right. make her like you. And I, he kind of does that. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, leading up to that dinner scene where it's just, like, when – because, you know, for, I'm sure any, anyone listening has probably seen this already, but he does manage to collect a lot of the pain pills that, you know, she's been giving him and manages to drug her, you know, uh, to spike her wine when she's in the kitchen getting a candle. And then, of course oh, – God. Uh, and you're like, oh, God, this has been a plan in the making for weeks. Yeah. However, you know, because he's there for like four weeks. Yeah. So I imagine like there has been a, at least days of him waiting for this moment. And when she knocked over that glass, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, <laughs> there is no getting out of this. No, it's it's not going to be like this. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I also want to honor her performance when she comes in. Misery's alive. Misery's alive. The, the, the glee, the delusion, mm -hmm. right? That she is, she's only in one world, right? Right, right. 
Yeah, and, and and if you think about it, if you look at her life, I mean, especially then, like where you know, there's no internet, there's no. It doesn't. I don't know if I know she did have a TV. That's right. She was watching Love Connection, but more or less, she can live in that world, mm -hmm. right? Because you go into town for supplies and then you go home, yep. and so there's nobody to tell you this isn't reality. Right. Yeah, I you know, if we're talking about her Oscar, this was a huge Oscar year. Right. It was. We had yeah. uh, the Dick Tracy song winning M Madonna. Right. Um, and Home Alone losing best score, which I think is notable. Uh, uh, I mean, just. Yeah. Joe Pesci winning yeah. Whoopi and Ghost. Uh, and then. This was the year of Whoopi and Ghost. Yeah. And, and her Kathy Bates beating Julia Roberts, Meryl Streep in Postcards from the Edge and Angelica Houston. I mean. A, a yeah, huge to say year. nothing of Joanne Woodward. Okay, you know, yeah, Paul Newman. Sure, yeah, sure. But I just, I, I, it, it, it it's very interesting uh, to to look back and then and then to see it. I do want to just call out something, uh, and not necessarily call it out, but just highlight something that this is um, a movie similar to Mommy Dearest that gay men quote, a gay men of a certain age, I think, quote, and. I think if you watch it, you understand it's it's actually not really a big secret why this movie is quoted by those gay men. It is very over the top and incredibly disturbing. Her performance. What do you, what do you think are the? Because I've I I can see it, but I've never like what would be the gay? You know, when we think of the episode, what gay is quote? Like, what would be the misery moment? Well, you murdered my misery, right? Look there, uh -huh. see what you made me do, right? That one. Um, I think that there's, uh, oh, um, oh, well, that's an offensive line. Uh, slipped away, slipped away. I think the cock, it, I mean, every single time that she says cock in a phrase um, is certainly something that is like uh, uh, an ear tug. And she does eventually call him a cocksucker in the end, which yeah. I love. <laughs> yeah. Um, he didn't well, get and, out of the cock-a-duty car. That one I know is quoted. That's the one I know the most. And I and I also always had the Mandela effect where I thought she said cockamamie car, mm. but it is cock-a-duty. Cock-a-duty. Um, and then even, I'm not stupid, you know. I There's, her delivery is, and, and again, we've talked about this on What Gays Quote. It's her delivery that grabs us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's like, you know, uh, did I do good? Like, I think she does that three times mm -hmm. in the movie, and each of them is a very different, like, not very different, but a very, there's a nuance to each of them. There's there's a certain level of hope mm. and, like, genuine enthusiasm in each one versus you can kind of hear where it's like, I think the last one is like, did I do good? Like, uh, there's something sadder about that one than the first one. Does right, that make sense? Right. Yes. No, absolutely. They do change. The tone of each yeah. one changes. One one other kind of moment that I think is just so over the top is when um, she comes in, like, after uh, totally getting angry at him about uh, the paper and whatever. Um, and, you know, he... He goes around the house when she leaves. That suspense mm -hmm. killed me, right? Him having to get back into his room and lock the uh. door and close the other one, like, right? But, um, you know, after the, your color is very hectic. What have you been doing? Um, the, when she, she says, catch this. Mm -hmm. Oh, catch this. Mm. I love that. Well, that whole sequence, I, you know, the whole, like, him getting the pills. I mean, 
I again, I'd never seen this movie, but when he shoved the pills into the crotch of his sweatpants, I was like, why do I know that moment? Mm. Why do I feel like I saw that when I was like nine and then I like put it in the like wank bank, well, you know, well, back when it was just a little, you know, savings deposit sure, box, you know? Sure. Mm. Um, mm. There might be another I don't know, movie that's, that's just like that, but yeah. Yeah. yeah he there's had to cover it up. That, Ooh. Yeah. Something about shoving something into the crotch of your sweatpants, but that trope of the unexpected return will never get old. We'll never get old, and it made me remember, we talked about when we were planning out All Right Scary, we potentially talked about doing Run with Sarah Paulson. Sure. Um, and I have to say, having seen Misery, Misery and Run double feature, they are both, they are, like, Run is a great movie, and if you like that, like, oh shit, she's coming se- sequence, they do like four of those in uh. Run. <laughs> Four or five of them. It's do, do they so drop the paper good. at all? Uh, I mean, because when she drops the paper, it's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> oh yeah, no. There's there's definitely like it's great. Honestly, Mary, I think you should definitely see Run having misery fresh on your mind. Okay. I think you'd really enjoy okay. it. Okay. Yeah, you know this movie is uh, is it, it 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 doesn't have much suspense except for I think this moment. Right. Otherwise, it is just this slow bird of how the hell is he going to get out of here, you know? Well, and, you know, I was, I, this, this, it feels like such a, an ego trip, but apparently Warren Beatty was, like, helping them develop this at some points and, like, helping kind of develop some of the plot points because I guess he was kind of considering himself for the role but never really said yes. Interesting. But I, I guess it, while they were going through the process, he had said, and, you know, this is according to IMDb and Warren Beatty, but he said, you know, with Paul, like, imagine it's me. Imagine it's Warren Beatty, like a smart guy like me. Like, you know, think of all the things I would think of to get out of there. And, like, they basically were like, okay, how do we then block all of those opportunities? Oh, you know wow. what I mean? Okay. So that everything we as the audience would think of to do or, the, like, there'd never be a point would be like, oh, no, Paul, why don't you just do this? Right. Like, he technically does all the things we would do. Yeah. Or all of the opportunities that we would take have been taken from him, mm. you know? Right. Um, yeah. Because even... Right. I didn't feel frustrated got, he, by that. Yeah, that's No. I I mean, honestly, when he... That whole sequence of him breaking out of the room and he gets to the kitchen and a part of me thought, like, well, where the fuck are you going right. to go now? Right. You're going to call You know? Home. What are you going to get? A, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so there's even that. Like, I, I then thought, okay. I kept putting myself in his shoes. Okay. If I was him, I would just build up my strength. I would do everything he's doing. I would do the lifts with a typewriter. Mm-hmm. Like, it was... Uh, yeah, I was never frustrated. I felt like he, um, I was only frustrated when he was frustrated, you know? Yeah, right. Like with the wine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I, we, I want to just kind of veer off path for a little bit and talk about Virginia. Oh, Francis Sternhagen. Yeah. And first of all, Virginia's wardrobe is high fashion. Don't tell me otherwise. I love it. Oh, I mean, she's a, it, it's a moment. She's giving us like, uh, you know, après ski, you know, <laughs> she's giving a, she's giving us, you know, uh, you know, uh, Sundance film festival off season, you know, uh-huh. like she's giving us Telluride, you know? Yeah. Is that how you pronounce she, it? Telluride? I, I'm sure, <laughs> I don't even Mary. know. Yeah, Telluride. Um, and the line, which I don't know, I feel like wouldn't mean anything if it wasn't this actress, but he's going down that hill and he slips or whatever, and she just yells, "Need some help!" <laughs> oh yeah, well they have such a great chemistry. Yeah, I was so devastated when he died because mm. I was like, "Ugh, I love this little marriage." I mean, apparently Virginia isn't even in the book, no, so no. Um, 
but yeah, I and then I was like, once Buster was shot, which really bummed me out because I, I actually really enjoyed his character. Um, then I thought, oh man, is Virginia going to do a Clarice Starling? Is she going to show up with a gun? Is she going right. to be like, you know, uh, you know, it, it's me, Virginia. Right. Miss Wilkes, <laughs> right. it's me, Virginia. Right, Meet Virginia <laughs> by Stephen King. Yeah, um, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, no, she, her character was uh, something of a comedy relief in this movie, and I think that's why we're so taken by that character, because I think we needed it as an audience. Yeah, well, you know, it was funny, like, there was such a Rob Reiner quality to the relationship mm. where she would say something and he'd go, oh, there's that spice again, <laughs> you know, like. It was a it was a really sweet relationship. I um, oh. I was genuinely bummed when he died. I didn't think it was going to happen. I thought he was so like beloved the whole time. Mm. Yeah, I I just appreciated that we did have those comedic moments uh, to kind of remind me that this movie does leave that cabin and I don't have to feel so claustrophobic the whole movie. Um, with that said, this would make a great play and it did. And do you know, and it did. And do you know who played Annie Wilkes? Oh yes, ma'am. <laughs> One Mademoiselle Dame Metcalf, uh, Lori herself. I couldn't I, think of a better person to portray Annie Wilkes besides Kathy it. Bates and Lori Metcalf. Fabulous. Yeah, I mean that's that's of course the fun game is who else we'd love to see in this role. Mm. I mean, because I and I don't I don't know what age Annie's supposed to be. I don't think she necessarily has to be one age. Uh, like I think she could be in her fifties, yeah. she could be in her thirties. Right. You know, it really right. doesn't matter. Right. Uh, obviously, you know, I'd want to see Anne Dowd play. Oh wow, Anne Dowd as Annie Wilkes or Margot Martindale. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even, and it's funny that she had also won the Oscar this year because part of me was like, could Whoopi Goldberg do this? I don't know if I've ever seen her go there, but I mean, she did the color purple. She can do drama. Well, right. I don't know. It was just one of those things where I was like, man, wouldn't that be fun if like Whoopi did this and then she won the Oscar for Misery? Mm -hmm. To play the villain. Yeah. I don't know if Whoopi would play the villain. I don't know yeah. if, if that could happen. I. Well, here's here's one kind of tangent we can go on. And I well, first of all, I want to just say I think Kathy Bates looks gorgeous. She looks oh, gorgeous. Well, that when when she lights up, when she's like feeling the love, she is adorable. Yeah. So much of the like grimness of Annie Wilkes is there's nothing to do with her looks, but how she carries herself right. in those moments. Right. Like, and knowing her face. It, yes. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Kathy Bates is, she's such a cutie patootie. Yeah. Oh my she God. She is yeah. stunning. And you know, her yeah. eyes are stunning. I do wonder if it, it, I don't know, to challenge a stereotype or whatever, would the story change if Annie Wilkes was by Western standards of beauty you know, very attractive. Mm, so let's, let's, who would you, so let, but going with that, and you could do quantum casting, you know, who would you, oh, like, you're putting Michelle me on Pfeiffer. The spot. Oh, oh, sure, sure. Michelle, Shelly Pfeiffer, sure. something like that. Shelly Pfeiffer. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Let's say it was Shelly Pfeiffer. Charlie Theron, mm -hmm. you know? Oh, my God. Because right. we know Charlie's that she can Theron. go there. Yes. Yeah. She yeah. can go there, right? Tony Collette. Mm -hmm. um, Tony Collette, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I think that that's, it's weird. I, I'm, I don't, I, oh, that's a good question because there's a part, what I want to say is I don't think I would like it as much, but then I think, what am I saying? Matt? Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Um, um, cause it, it, cause, cause the movie, you know, for the time that it came out and 
you know, obviously there's a whole discussion about mental illness depictions and horror movies, and that is a whole other can of worms. We have to just accept this as a horror movie and not go down that path, knowing that that path is there for another snowy day. But I do think that something else to challenge is this stereotype of like sad, dowdy woman uh, alone, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's, then I think of, you know, because we're we're talking about looks, we're talking about body types, because I think of someone like Frances McDormand, mm. where like, okay, like body type, it's like, okay, well, you know, she's not, she, she she's, she's not a curvy lady, you know, um, if we're going to have, if that's the conversation, but she's certainly not Nicole Kidman, you know, she has her her real face you know obviously if Frances McDormand played Annie Wilkes it'd be amazing oh, but oh there's another one yeah that's a good one can you imagine uh, oh my god oh wow it'd be nuts yeah, yeah. wow uh, I mean I think the other change is like what if what if Paul was Paula Sheldon mm. and and if there was you know a lesbian theme here I'm fine with that I I mean Maybe it's beyond lesbian. Maybe it's like, oh, it's nothing to do with sexuality. She's just obsessed with this right, woman. Right, right. Because it often isn't sexual. It's just about control. Yeah. And I think that's the other thing is that like having this like she's in love with Paul. Paul could be anybody. And she's going to be in love, quote unquote, with Paul. And it's it's just about being completely enamored and in a, in a different world. Yeah. 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 You know, I was thinking like if they were to do a remake of this and they were to kind of expand it and let's say that Paul is Paula. I I love the idea that there might be a scene where Paula is at a like a romance novel convention, like signing autographs mm. and, and Annie is in that line and like she doesn't even remember her when this happens. Right. Like I like oh, I see. like the yeah, idea that, that, that it comes out of Yeah, and mm. like maybe seeing some of the fandom at those conventions and just like contextualizing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know. I especially today, maybe showing her getting, you know, mean Instagram messages and things like that. Like I I I love the idea of like what of I guess by having Paul be a woman, it kind of takes out the pseudo love story that kind of happens between Annie and Paul and maybe makes, makes it more about fanaticism. Exactly. I like that change a lot because it's not, and granted like it could be a lesbian love, but like, I like that the obsessed woman trope is not as present. Yeah. It's, it's more nuanced when it's between two women. Whereas I don't think that there needed to be kind of like, a somewhat romantic vibe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that needed to happen. Um, And it's kind of like, what would be misery be like if that didn't happen in this version? What would it be like if it did happen in an all female version? Like all those variations, Mm. you know? Yeah. I think it would be fascinating. Yeah. That could be something that they explore like on the stage, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I mean, I, obviously that's the major change is like make them all women, you know, make everybody (laughs) a woman. Look That's at us, what I want. Look at us just creating a world that we want, for sure. Yeah, the world that I want. I want Viola Davis as Buster, but she doesn't get killed. Yeah. Like, there's so many things I need to have happen, you know? Totally. And uh, Tiffany Haddish is her wife, you know? Oh, my God. Oh, I'm swooning. Though, honestly, Viola Davis as Apollo Sheldon would be incredible. Oh, I could like, see that. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, because for all of the anguish, I mean, the woman is like the boogers we would get. Oh, know. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. Ugh. Um, but I wouldn't want her to get hobbled. That's the other change oh, I would make. No hobbling. <laughs> well, you need the horror, Mary. Don't touch those tootsies. You need no. the horror. Um, I, I want to talk about uh, one line that I think um, goes by kind of unnoticed. 
but it it is a I don't know if it's Stephen King or if it's part of the character he was building, but she refers to Michelangelo as the day guy. I was going to ask you about this because it was such a moment of like, oh, yeah, for someone who doesn't like profanity. Right. A day go for Mary's that don't know uh, is a slur that was used back in the day. Um, if you've ever heard the term dago tea, which is like another term for an A shirt or another problematic term, a wife beater oh, um, or yes. a beater. Yes. Um, the dago, mm. uh, the, the Italians got those names because they would be working by the docks and they were hired by the day. And so you'd go and you'd hire a dago to go and paint your house. Much like um, what a lot of the stereotype about people that hang around uh, Home Depot. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. So that I was going to ask you, where does because I assumed you might have known where this was going to where this came from because it is uh, an Italian slur. <laughs> it is. Um, Wap and Dago. I know a lot about. Yeah. <laughs> I I can't say those things. Well, you what's know? interesting about both of those terms, Mary, is that they are they're kind of interchangeable with any immigrant at the time. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of, oh, I see. Like it wasn't Italian specific, but it just kind of well, became it started one. there. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, right. Huh. Um, and now I think it's more uh, translated to Latino. Uh, sure, yeah. there's like the Mexican stereotype and all of that. Yeah, right. the, the Home Depot and mm-hmm. all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but I just found that that detail in in the script to be interesting that she refers to Michelangelo as the Dago, and it's the Sistine Chapel, right? <laughs> Yeah, and and just the, the the line comes out of nowhere, and it's just it's brilliant delivery. She's like, "What does she say? Like, uh, what's the ceiling that Dago painted?" Yeah, like it. Right. She, it's buried in the line that you're like, "Oh, this woman who says, you know, Mister Man and Cockamamie yeah. has no problem dropping Dago." And I thought, "That's no that nobility." Also, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. That's no nobility. Yeah, but I mean, another indication of like the isolation of this woman. It's like, you know, you think of it. It's like this woman doesn't see like for example any other race other than the, the five white people in town mm-hmm. so it's just some indication of some of the really backwards points of view that she probably carries for you sure know? yeah and, and it's not even that she's insulting michelangelo she just refers to italians just, as day goes right she's like oh yeah, it's divine yeah right, right. that's the, the reality she lives in yeah yeah, yeah. and then uh, like uh following that is that whole bit with the piss in her hand. Oh, I mean, that's yeah. kind of a comedic little moment, right? And she's talking about yeah. the institution of marriage. I just, uh. well, you know, I thought like there were. I mean, I, I, I feel like a lot of this was well directed, but I appreciated that like moments like that, and then especially when they set the script on fire mm. and she's trying to put the fire out. Oh. There were a lot of moments where I was like. It, this doesn't feel like. It, I think that Kathy Bates is just like working with the moment. Like it didn't feel. Oh, scripted, totally, totally. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. my goodness. Goodness gracious. Heavens to Betsy. Heavens to Betsy. Yeah. That is a quote from this movie. Heavens to Betsy. I love that. Oh, my God. <laughs> and Her trying to. And it, yeah. it went on for a bit. It did. Like, it did. Like, happened? she wasn't expecting it. And I'm just like, yeah. uh, you told him to set fire to the rain. Right. right? Rob Reiner's off, off camera. Go with it, Kat. Yeah. Just go with it. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then I think shortly after that, <laughs> even, there was... Um, you know, she's talking about the winters getting shorter and shorter. It reminded me of Valerie Cherish. Like, they say it's the ozone layer. Like, yeah, well, it's a theory. Very interesting yeah, 1990s uh, commentary, yeah. right, from this person who, you know, lives in 
Vermont or Colorado. I think the movie takes place in Colorado. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, just all these little details about who this person is. Um, you know, she's religious. She goes to a religious place a lot with her delusions. Um, yeah. Well, and, and I, you know, I kind of am starting to appreciate, like, I feel like both in, and I was reading some of this, like the connection that Stephen King is making with other things that he's written. Like, I guess it's clearer in the book, but for example, you know, it's set in Colorado, not far from the Overlook Hotel, mm. from The Shining. And apparently there's connections with like it characters, with Paul. Um, and then, I mean, I, I thinking of Annie Wilkes having like, you know, when I think of religion, I of course think of Carrie's mom. Sure. And I love the idea that they're, where are the parallels between Mrs. White and Annie Wilkes? Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the world of characters that he can get into, certainly yeah. there. Yeah, it's, it's of the same of... The of, uh, it's one of those words I try to never say because uh, I don't know how to. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> like uh, the word denouement. Oh, I always denouement. want to say denou yeah, denouement. denouement. You know, denouement. But, oh, uh, Mary, no denouement. You could just say denouement. I know. Uh, denouement. Well, I know. <laughs> denouement. Uh, Paul denouement. <laughs> Paul denouement. Oh, I love that Paul denouement. Uh, um, we didn't talk about another. I mean, I think. The one that I always quote, and I get the quote wrong. I say, you killed my misery, but it's you murdered my misery. Yeah, I was going to say, it, I remember you quoting that differently. It, the, it doesn't, man, it, the brilliance of that, naming the character misery and having her yell something like, you murdered my misery, is similar to when they toast to misery. Oh, well, that's brilliant. The brilliant. two toasts, brilliant. The first one, to misery, and then at the end, to misery. to misery and I was like oh this is it's so on the nose yeah. but I love it no, I love, I love it too it's, a, it's poetic you know? it has to be yeah similar yeah. And, and, and then for someone a character to scream you murdered my misery as if it's like addiction right this thing that you beloved that you need that you want that you you don't want somebody to get rid of you need it so much misery loves company right this idea that like mm -hmm. no you did it you lying old dirty birdie uh she it i just think it's such an interesting scene in the context of addiction and and i and then the fact that like there's a pig named misery oh, there's I also know. that that like here's another symbol of it is it's just this pig yeah who's very sweet yeah, in the movie and i guy. was very worried <laughs> i was i was worried that when she said you murdered my misery i was like he kills the pig <laughs> oh no he kills the pig that's not fair the pig didn't know um, uh, but rest assured, Mary's the pig does not die. Yeah, and she keeps it as a pet, right? That she does explain. Yeah, that. she had no intention of like making bacon, so she wasn't no. even going to kill misery. She wants misery no. alive, right? Misery is allowed in the house, like just sweet little baby. Yeah, misery's yeah. alive. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and at one point I feel like misery is the Cooper of this movie. Oh. Cooper. Cooper from What Lies Beneath. For anyone who the <laughs> fuck is Cooper? Uh, but yeah, sweet little misery. Um, the other, I think, detail of this movie that I think probably could be exploited more, um, but I find so interesting is the inclusion of Liberace. Oh, I mean, that was such a almost another like great little joke that she's like, I just love Liberace. Ugh. I mean, of course, Annie Wilkes would not put two and two together that that's just. That's not romance. That's high camp, uh -huh, you know? Right. But the idea that she plays his records all day while he's writing. 
I mean, don't get me wrong. Liberace is a brilliant performer and is great. But I have to imagine that that adds to the torture that she's creating for him. Well, and that's so it's like playing the Liberace all day. The the typewriter doesn't have an N key. It doesn't uh, have an N. And apparently in the book, I think he also doesn't have a T right. or an E. Yeah, it's a Because T, it's I like think, it was yeah. that much harder to like, you know, uh, to write this, which is such a nightmare. And I have to imagine that in the book Misery, we see like, you know, a, 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 you know, a page of what he's written with all the missing letters, mm-hmm. you know, just to get a sense of how frustrating it is. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, like all, I, even thinking, I was thinking of like just sitting there and like, how do you write? How do you just like keep going? You know what I mean? Like it, it, I feel like that has to be kind of the metaphor of like, just focus on the work, just focus on the work. Mm -hmm. Don't think about, don't think about the demon in the other room. Mm. Just focus on the story. Oh man. Yeah. I, I think of the Liberace. I think of the typewriter. I think of the weather, obviously his pain because he's in a lot of pain. Right. Um, And then legs are so fucked up. Oh, totally. They're in real bad shape basically the whole movie um yeah but i think when i think about the liberace detail it it rears its head i think most notably when she is hobbling him um because liberace's playing moonlight sonata oh okay that's that's him playing it yeah and Uh, it's like i i like chef's kiss Oh, so good. I mean, because there was, I loved, I loved that, and I loved also the music from the writing montage. Oh, yeah. I can't remember, it was some other classical music piece, but it was just like, ugh, that's, that's some good, that's some good soundtrack right there. Mm. I, if we're going to continue praising Kathy Bates, um, we, we touched on it briefly, but towards the end of the movie, when the cop comes, we haven't really seen her interact with anybody else. Um, we, you know, she was in her car and she yells, Are you cock-a-duty right out of the window. But other than mm-hmm. that, we haven't seen an, her interact with anybody except Paul until the end of the movie when Buster comes to visit. And the way that she, that Kathy Bates, the actress, is brilliantly acting like nothing is wrong, that she has this all under control because Mary, she does. She ends up killing him. Um, she never panicked, right? She wanted him to stay longer. She knew exactly yeah. what she was going to do. She made the cocoa. Oh, it's no trouble. There's some already made. I just, you know, the line of you can't enjoy your own company. You're no good company for anybody else. Like the way that she's delivering this calm I think is also a reason why she needed to be recognized. Do you think, because while I was watching that scene, my one thought was, do you think there was anything in the cocoa? Was that like one of her original plans or was that all innocent? Nope, that was innocent. She was going to have him sit down. She was going to make this whole scene and make it, make him leave. Right. Because, and that there'd be no reason to question her again. Exactly. Exactly. She does not want him to come back. And she knew she had the shotgun. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. I like I probably the one decision I disagreed with was when Buster went back in the house. Like, oh yeah, I, I would have been like Clarice wouldn't have just gone right back in, and it was very like it re- reminded me of the first kill in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where like the guy gets like clonked in the head, and then Leatherface slams the kitchen door, and it's just like oh, like I was like, why would you do that? Why would you go in that house? Oh. Uh, it was the only thing I disagreed with, um, but. <laughs> um, after that, after she shoots him, right, then Kathy 
kind of switches uh, or the character switches and she's talking about she's like well I'm going to kill you and she has that face when she that is horrifying to be saying this line and to have to make it so scary she says oh darling it'll be so beautiful the Ugh. the choice that this actress is making like I don't think that I don't think this is anybody could do this uh, yeah, I mean, the thing is, uh, even when I think about like, oh, you know, who else I'd want to cast in this role, it's like, even, I mean, I love the idea of Laurie Metcalf in the Broadway version, but like, this is kind of Kathy Bates's, you mm -hmm. know, like a really, I could see any number of actors playing Paul Sheldon, you know, but, and I, you can play like, oh, it might be fun to see this kind of Annie, but at the end of the day, it's sort of the ABBA song theory of like, it's already been put together perfectly. Why would we, re, you know, why would we restitch this together? Why would I recast this role? Right. You know? Right. Oh, absolutely. Well, if ever there was a time to talk about therapy, and I do love to talk about therapy, I honestly don't know anyone who wouldn't benefit from it these days, myself included. I couldn't agree more, Mary. And it's super accessible now, thanks to BetterHelp. That's H-E-L-P. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed professional therapist safely and privately. You can be matched with someone within 24 hours. And with phone or video sessions available, scheduling a session is as easy as ordering a lovely cheese pizza just for me. And much like Selena, I love pizza. I also love that you can send a message to your counselor basically at any time and actually get a response. And if you want to change counselors, no problem. It's both free and easy. BetterHelp is available worldwide, and their counselors are licensed and trained in everything from depression and anxiety to grief, relationships, sleep, self-esteem, and more. There are so many people using BetterHelp right now. They've recruited more counselors in all 50 states. It's more affordable than traditional in-person talk therapy, and there's even financial aid available if you need. Marys, if you're interested in trying BetterHelp, get 10% off your first month by going to betterhelp.com slash allrightmary. That's H-E-L-P. That's right. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. That's betterhelp.com slash allrightmary. And that's H-E-L-P. All right, Mary. If, if I do have a critique of this movie, and I'm sure there's plenty, but one that I do notice that I don't think helps Kathy all the time to go from serious to camp is I do think the music uh, doesn't always help her because it is very 1990s. Ooh, Mark Shaman, coming for you. Well, he's fabulous. He's great. He's, he's gay. I mean, he's blind. No, he's gay. Um, sure. He, I, I, I think that with the zoom in shots of her face when she is, you know, performing that kind of snap energy, um, the music that accompanies it makes it too over the top. Yeah. I, you know, I wonder, I, I know that Rob Reiner was like trying to kind of diversify his, you know, the movies he was working on and the, you know, so obviously he was coming off of, um, you know, romantic comedies and whatnot before this, but I wonder if between him and the scriptwriter William Goldman, if there was an intention to not take it to a twenty-seven, because mm. I f and and by doing that, by kind of having those cinematic gags that make it a little less intense, you know, like I think 
there are, I mean, there's any number of, of movies today of people being kidnapped and tortured and whatnot. And it's just this gruesome, grisly affair. And I feel like they, this feels like a little bit more palatable version of all of that, you know, like a little more, um, Friday night at the movies friendly. I think that's a valid point. Uh, but my mind goes to, obviously, there's Freddy Krueger uh, and, you know, Wes Craven and other scary movies that are coming out. And this, for a Stephen King movie to go to, well, Friday night, you know, Friday night horror, it's horror light, it's Rob Reiner trying to make a transition. I can't help but wonder if that also had to do with the fact that it was a female villain. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I just keep thinking that, like, it sounds like having not read the book that the book goes to some really fucked up places that they had to dial back from in the movie version. And I, you know, like it, including the amputation, like they were like, I think this is gonna be way too gory. Mm. Let's make this an, you know, a hobbling instead. So I don't know. I don't, it, it, I don't know what the, the decision-making was. I mean, it makes me think as well, you know, only a couple years before fatal attraction came sure. out. And so we're also kind of, and I feel like, you know, basic instinct is only a year or two away. And so, you know, in a way, it's also like, oh, yeah, we're ready for, you know, uh, for killer ladies. Dragon ladies, if you will. Dragon ladies. Yeah. yeah. Dra- I mean, well, oh, yeah. <laughs> Could Meryl Streep play Annie? Oh, yes. Yes. But I think Meryl Streep in 1990, because I think if it was Meryl Streep now, you would just see Meryl Streep doing Annie Wilkes. You know what I mean? Oh. It's hard to do that separation. Okay. That makes but sense. I mean, like. Uh, you know, Olivia Coleman as Annie Wilkes. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, you sure. know, I mean, uh, I didn't see Ma, but it looks like Octavia Spencer likes to, you know, go a little nuts. Maybe put make her as Annie Wilkes. Oh, Ma. You should see Ma. Yeah, Juliette Lewis is in that, right? <laughs> I think so. It's yeah, I not what is. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There is this, um, I don't know if it's on, I think it's on HBO. There's some new show coming out with Juliette Lewis and Christina Ricci yes. and Melanie Linsky and someone else I can't remember called the like Yellow Jackets mm-hmm, or something. Something like that. It looks, I mean, I don't know. Uh, it looks like, I mean, I did, there's there's a quality to the Christina Ricci. Um, who was the other one we were just talking about? You Julia know, Lewis. Julia Lewis. Julia Lewis in it together. There's something about that that I'm excited by. Sure. Um, I want to talk about the phrase Mr. Man. Because it's used. Mr. Man. It's used a lot by Stephen King and then, you know, in the script. Um, What is she, what is Annie yelling about when she says Mr. Man? Well, that, you know, calling someone Mr. Man is like, you know, when I I think of that as as someone's, you know, toddler comes in the room and it's like, well, what are you doing, Mr. Man? You know, there's an infantilizing quality to that. Like, it's very... um, you know, it, it, when I think of her saying that, I think of him as being this little weakling that she's t- that she's nurturing and that she's that makes sense to me of how she's seeing him. Mm. You know, yeah. There's there's another quality there of you know sticking it to the man, right? As if Mister Man is also the man, and it's like, how dare you order me around, Mister Man? Like I, I I that's not lost on me either. That there is a part of Annie that is very angry at her situation. Well, I mean, it does, you know, beg the question of like, has Annie ever had, you know, love in her life? You know, I mean, we know that in the past she, she wasn't 
isolated. She was, you know, working at the hospitals and she was rising the ranks and then killing babies. And so there's the sense of like at a certain point, Annie Wilkes had a quote unquote normal life. Mm. Did that life include dating? Did that life ever include a relationship? I mean, not that it's requisite, but I think it begs the question of like, how does, did she ever have friends? You know, like, did she have any connections, you know, in her former life that, you know, she was able to maintain. Um, Doesn't and, she yeah. kill her father? Isn't that what we find out in the memory lane book that she, I that her think... father falls off a bridge, but it's like, you know? Yeah. Cause I think there's a suggestion. I think, you know, the kind of like what I'd read, like the backstory that kind of come up for her was that her father had abused her. Mm. And, and so there's that root narrative as well. Um, but yeah. And, and that makes sense to me that like, you know, her primary male relationship is fucked up and then it's her male relationships are kind of fucked up throughout her life, you know? Right. Yeah, I I do wonder about that line, Mr. Man, uh, because she does use a lot of euphemisms, right? Old, dirty bird, um, you know, cock-a-duty, right? Um, Mm -hmm. It's, it's, Mr. Man is something, she's saying something else too, right? Well, it's funny when she when she tells the story about being in the movie theater and yelling about Rocket Man and oh, all of that, and God. you know, uh, <laughs> in a way, the the way she tells that story and the way she quotes herself is how she talks in those moments. Like, there's also a a, a little girl quality about that, mm. where th- you you can hear the same seven year old Annie Wilkes yelling about Rocket Man. That same voice is coming out when she's yelling at Paul. You know what I mean? So, like, there's mm-hmm. also that of, like, Annie also regresses, which makes a lot of sense to me. Totally. That there's some real regression here, you know? Yeah, just the idea, well, like a child, right, of uh, just being the center of the universe, right? This idea, like, they cheated us. This isn't fair. Nothing's fair. Are, are you all, have you all got amnesia? The, the idea that it's, it, she feels cheated, um, is very childlike that, and similar mm-hmm. to like a drag race fan. Like it's not fair. Right? It's like, what are you yelling about? Like, yeah, that's not part of my fantasy right? <laughs> that you're producing. That's not part of my fantasy. Yeah. Um, this isn't why yeah. I'm reading all of your books, Paul. I don't want to read the profanity. I don't want to read yeah. all of that filth. Um, well, and I guess that was kind of also, you know, for Stephen King. Cause I think in the book misery at the end, the book that Paul writes, he ends up publishing, mm-hmm. uh, whereas obviously in the movie he burns it. And so I guess the the idea was that like Stephen King always had the feeling of like people are always going to expect this, you know, one type of thing from me. They're always going to expect these horrifying stories. Mm. I can never betray that. I could never leave that world. Mm. Um, and because, you know, it wouldn't just be people are upset. People would turn on him, you know? Right. Yeah. I For sure. For sure. I think about... Um, man, I think about Aja and the backlash uh-huh. that fucking Aja got for not wanting to do drag for a little while. And it's like, uh-huh. what are you, why are you so upset? Like, yeah, don't you want yeah, this I'm... performer to be happy? <laughs> right. Well, and in the same way that like, there are so many drag performers that that you can put your time, talent, energy towards. There are even more romance novels <laughs> you can put your time, talent, talent, energy towards. Like, this is not the only one. And so there's that too of like, well, bitch, the story's done, you yeah, know? Right. Um, oh my but God. on the same token, how many people are still DMing Roxy Andrews yelling at her for bullying Jinx Monsoon? Cause they just watched season they, yeah, five, right, you know, just catching up. It, ridiculous. Yes. Ridiculous. So it's, it, it isn't that far off that the, 
there is a, a level of delusion necessary for this kind of toxic fandom. Right, to get something out. I think about people that revisit Lost. I think about people that revisit Game of Thrones or like start watching it again, right? Like it, there's cycles of anger <laughs> in the fandom. Yeah, yeah, right. It's, it's, and I feel like the queens have talked about that. Like, every, you know, I always know that some, you know, they're airing my season mm-hmm. because suddenly my inbox is flooded with people who are furious. And it's, there's just a profound cognitive dissonance. And I think that's also a necessary part of misery is that Annie lives with profound cognitive dissonance about, reality about the morality of her choices about her morality in general Mm. you know that she's so precious about profanity but she's also happy to drug someone and hobble them you know right right Uh, that you and so when we try to understand these people we try to approach it from our logical point of view and it's like oh no where our road goes straight they're you know twisty turny the whole way up yeah they're flipping over in the car right i think about yeah oddly not wanting to take pictures with fans you know and it's just like I, I can only imagine there's been an incident where a fan was like, hey, can I get a picture? And they were like, no, no. And then it's fuck you, you know? And it's like, mm-hmm. whoa. Right, <laughs> right. And then you have to like navigate that sudden turn in the road. Uh, yeah. So it's, I mean, it, it's not a it's not a crazy notion to say that, you know, Annie Wilkes is a, a bit of a cautionary tale. Sure, sure. And obviously, you know, in true Hollywood fashion, it's just it, there's so much and it needs to be horror and it needs to be dangerous monster, you know, uh, for sure. Um, this wouldn't be interesting otherwise. Oh, know. totally. Um, I guess the other part of that, which, you know, relates to fandom and in general, is that really nobody could help Paul. Uh, yeah, well, you, you know, they, you know, they ma- yeah, <laughs> they managed to kind of cut off like he's presumed dead. You know, it, it, you don't you as an audience member don't have any hope. Right. And I think about, you know, these drag queens that are getting hate and it's like RuPaul's Drag Race could come out and say, stop being trolls and, you know, pay them bitches no mind. And at the end of the day, it's not going to stop somebody right. from, I you know what I mean? Yeah, I also don't have any hope that just because, you know, even if they did a whole fucking special about, you know, dealing with trolls in the fandom, it wouldn't stop. Like, it's so counterintuitive. Do you really think that the people who are sending these queens death threats are going to watch some special about trolling and go, you know, you're right. I shouldn't do that. I should. That's so you're right. I'm I'm not being very nice. No. They're, like, if anything, you're giving them what they want. Yeah. And it it's uh, yeah. it does just expose that frustrating, you know, situation of how do you deal with trolls? How do you deal with toxic fandom? You have to not go into their cabin. <laughs> well, it's like I, it, you got to think like, OK, maybe if it's snowing, I just like wait and go drive home tomorrow. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, <laughs> how do I avoid being Paul Sheldon? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I find not leaving the house is helpful. Yeah, sure, sure. As long as you have locks, I mean. Uh, yeah, exactly. God, I mean, he wasn't even safe before all of this. She was following him around, Mary. Yeah, I guess I hadn't. You know, I hadn't fully put that together. Was this just this awful coincidence, or had she been stalking him? And like, you know what I mean? Because there is also an element of like, she couldn't have planned. She didn't. She didn't set him up to drive off the road. And so no, she didn't do that, but she watched him do it. Right. She didn't warn him about the storm, you know, because he didn't know that it was going to happen. Like she she just she was standing outside of the Silver Creek 
inn or lodge or whatever. And, uh, you know, and like watching his window, like this was spooky. Yeah, I, <laughs> I would have liked to see like a little of that. I, the movie, it, it wouldn't have dragged for me if we saw just a little bit of that. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I also like the feeling that it is kind of, you know, if you think of this story as a parable or a metaphor, it I love that it is like, oh my God, of all the places for me to crash my car, it's, you know, not far from my, you know, insane biggest fan, you know? Uh, the, the fact that the, the coincidence of it all is so awful, but I accept it as like, the, as the larger metaphor. I accept the kind of snow globe, what if this happened, yeah, you know? Yeah, right. And, you know, if we go to the addiction metaphor, it, it it sometimes is just oops. Oh yeah, it's just exactly like how many people who are addicts are like ah yeah I just tried it once at a party and then I was hooked and you then know I was or off whatever the road. yeah yeah and you just mm-hmm. yeah all of a sudden I'm broke yeah right. um so I like that too that there is a sense of like of you know it's it's haphazard accept, right it's haphazard yeah and I yeah I'll I'll susp- a willing suspension of disbelief because of that metaphor sure. you know yeah and you know horror movies are freak accidents you know it's it's like getting struck by lightning in a way right it's like well yeah. this happened to you you know well that's often like I feel like that is the conceit of horror movies it, it's you know to to refer to Texas Chainsaw Massacre again because it's a perfect example of this is it's all random Mm -hmm. it all the way that movie happens everything randomly happens and then randomly ends right there's no logic there's no setup it's just like fuck wrong place wrong time it's like the setup of the strangers you know it's like why are you doing this to me because you were home that's the only reason yeah 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 it's not that we we were planning this out for weeks we just showed up and you were here Mm -hmm. and uh and i i love that i do appreciate that with horror movies because it's kind of it lets you just kind of say, okay, but what if? What mm. if this happens, you know? Right. What about this, yeah. you know? <laughs> what about this? What about this? Uh, thank you, Juju B. Um, yeah, this movie, for all of the twists and turns, the, the real twists and turns are Annie's performance. And I think that's what makes it uh, camp and entertaining, but also so scary. Oh, it's. I mean, really, again, I think... W- a profoundly deserved Oscar, one of the very few Oscars for a horror movie. Uh, worth noting that I think uh, there's one from, from Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in like the 30s, and then there's Ruth Gordon for Rosemary's mm. Baby, and Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins for Sounds of the Lambs. Yep, that's right. I think that's it. So it doesn't happen often. I mean, there's been nominations. Ellen Burstyn got nominated for The Exorcist. It, it happens. But I feel like for an actress to win Best Actress in a horror movie and an un, a relatively unknown actress at the time, I mean, it's not like it was, you know, she had all the star power beneath her. I just think so much of that win feels like a meritocracy this year. You know? Right. And she is right. And, but, and she's the villain, which I think is also yeah. notable. And she's the villain. She's not Nicole Kidman. Right. Like, there's so many things where it's like, uh, it, it, Kathy Bates won on talent. You know what yep. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Kathy Bates, three-time Matreon alum Kathy Bates, mm. by the way. Can you name uh, the movies? I can, because I wrote them down. But obviously, Dolores Claiborne. Ugh. But the one I might have missed is she does play an uncredited credited squirrel lady in Rat Race. Yes! <laughs> yeah. And I was like, come on, Kathy Bates. You should have bought so the, a squirrel. That's right. The, yeah. So the question is, should we 
you know, because getting into a four-time Matriona alum, not many people have. Sandra Bullock, Whoopi Goldberg. You know, it doesn't happen very often. Probably Diane Weist. Um, Colleen Camp. I mean, <laughs> Colleen Camp. I mean, she's the queen to beat. Uh, at some point, do we do Little Black Book? Oh, right. She plays uh, Tippi Can Do. Tippi Can Do. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, do we do The Boss? Because she's in that. Oh, and we love well, the boss. I, would, I would do Little Black Book because not only is Brittany Murphy in it, but um, Mayor of Easttown Girl is in it. Uh, the one who won the Emmy. Oh, Julianne Nicholson is yes. in it? Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. Oh, all right. And... Holly Hunter. Shek-shi. Oh, she's very shexy in Little Black Book. Shexy, yeah. She plays yeah. a producer. Yeah. She played it before Shaving Grace, where she really got shexy. Yeah. She- With uh, Kira Shedgwick, <laughs> who's in uh, The Closer. Shedgwick. Uh, she and Kevin. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, Kathy Bates movies, um, I, obviously I know her from Titanic. Uh, that was uh, yeah. you know interesting part of that movie. Have you seen Fried Green Tomatoes? Yes, that movie. So that's the thing about Fried Green Tomatoes. I would love to talk about Fried Green Tomatoes because Mary Louise Parker's in it as well. But yeah. the, the book is so much better. And I hate to be one of those people, but the book is so much better. Um that I feel like talking about the movie, I would be one of those assholes that's like, well, in the book. Right. And who, I, I don't think she wrote this, but I have to just get it out of my head and then I'll look it up. Who wrote the book? Fanny Flag? <laughs> or did she write how, to, write how to Make an American Quilt? Well, I, I might be right. It might be Fanny Flag. <laughs> I don't know why I know that name. Uh, it, Fried Green Tomatoes, oh. the book, was written by, here we go. Oh my God! Fanny it's Fanny Flag. Flag. Oh my God, <laughs> that is so gratifying. I feel so good right now. <laughs> oh, thank God. Oh, I am. Oh God! Wow. Good for you, Mary. Yeah. <laughs> uh... I need a cigarette after that. <laughs> oh boy. I'm oh, so, who wants pizza? I'm so proud of you. Um, yeah. Yeah. What other movies? Uh, yeah, because. I, we talked about James Caan, I think, our last Matron episode, but it is worth looking at Kathy Bates's, uh, you know, her movie history. Um, well, I did, I did some poking around to try, try to figure out, like, what would be of interest to us. And the only other one I could think of that might be interesting is Men Don't Leave. There's mm. a lot of ladies we love in that. And it's Jessica Lange. It's, oh. you know... Uh, you know, broken families. We love that stuff. Uh, yeah, men and yeah, she has a good role in it. Yeah, men don't leave. Do you have you heard of that movie? No. Okay, so it's 1990. Mm-hmm. So you know, Jessica Lange plays Beth in this warm-hearted, funny fable about staying together when all else is falling apart. I think her husband leaves, and it's how she like continues to raise her sons. Okay, all right. But uh, Joan Cusack is in it. Oh, um, one of her sons is played by. You'll appreciate this. Chris O'Donnell. Yeah, I knew that would get you. I know it's like, oh, why didn't I lead with that? So that could be fun. You know, yeah. a, a hate watch we could do is Failure to Launch. Oh, I hate that movie so much. I couldn't even keep watching it. It made me so mad. I was like, this isn't. Mm, I was so mad. Failure to Launch. <laughs> and then she's also in um, Revolutionary Road, but I don't remember her in that movie. I feel like she has a small, you know, I got to tell you, I saw that movie and I remember that was the era of like, I'm sorry, Kate Winslet. I just don't get it. Got I, it. I just, it was, you know, Mayor of Easttown, everything changed. But I, I remember being kind of underwhelmed with Revolutionary Road. Mm. Did you see Richard Jewell? I didn't, but I kind of want to, you know, for her mostly. Yeah, you should. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so you have seen it. I have it. seen it. Yeah, I saw it during oh. the, the, the pandy. Uh, uh, yeah, some, I've heard of that. Amazons, maybe I forget. Um, yeah. But yeah, Richard Jewell, really interesting story. You know the premise, yes? Uh, yeah, it's the guy who they suspected him of like the bombing at the Atlanta Olympics. Mm-hmm. Is that what it was? Yeah. And, yeah, and you know yeah. who else is in that movie is Sam Rockwell. So just put <gasps> that out there. Oh, oh my God. Oh, I would. Sam oh my God. Fosse. <laughs> yeah. I would wear him like a COVID mask. <laughs> I just, ugh. Respectfully, in the words of yeah. Kevin's too buff. Yeah, respectfully. Yeah, it's exactly, <laughs> respectfully, yeah. This is an N69 mask, yeah. Uh, well, Kathy Bates, yeah, no, she has an interesting career because she's so well-known, and yet it's, I don't think there's been a Kathy Bates movie that had this, this amount yeah, I feel like, and we've done Dolores Claiborne, so I feel like in terms right, of like, right. you know, oh, uh, I mean, there's the terrible running. remake oh, of, God, yeah, oh, the running, those beautiful legs, Ugh, oh, those legs, um, to say nothing of Judy Parfit. Oh, oh, I, like, oh, I know, I know, I know, Judy oof. Parfit, Ugh, Dolores Claiborne. We should, we should find a way to talk about Judy Parfit every episode. Has he fucked her? Mm. Uh, Has he fucked her? Yeah, oh. yeah. And there's so many other iconic lines from her in that movie. Um, I did not see about Schmidt or Primary Colors, which I know she was nominated for. Oh, Primary Colors, I would enjoy. I I feel like that would be. I feel like I'm old enough to appreciate the jokes there. I think I was too. I didn't. I remember when it came out, and I was like, oh, I'm, I don't get these jokes. Mm. Um, and about Schmidt, you get to see she gets naked in a hot tub with Jack Nicholson. Right. So that's fun. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think she's in this movie, Love, Liza, with Philip Seymour Hoffman, which looks really depressing. But I did see a scene of it on YouTube, and I was like, oh, man, Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates. God, gotta Kathy love Bates. her. And yeah, gotta love this kind of just kicking off her career is just, it's such a fascinating really start. Did. Yeah. I do wonder yeah. if it pigeonholed her. Well, yeah. I mean, the thing about it, and I don't, maybe I'm, there's something in the gaps, but the funny thing is when you look through her, like, IMDb filmography, it's spotty, girl. And sometimes Kathy Bates takes roles where I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. get that paycheck, get that beach house, mm-hmm. do the water boy. What do I care? Oh, well, she's great in the water boy. Is she? Yes. But you think, like, oh, the water boy. No, I know. Like, what do we do? I know. But, but, but Fruza Balk is great in that movie, too. You just have to... You have to sit through Adam Sandler. Uh, you got to go through the, yeah, that's, yeah. that voice. Yeah. 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 But she is great. She, she is such a lovely mother in that movie. Um, okay. She's someone All to right. love in that movie for sure. But she, yeah, you know, I don't know. I think about Kathy Bates and, you know, you could say that this role pigeonholed her, but Hollywood probably pigeonholed her because well, of I her mean, appearance. Well, think about it. Yeah. yeah. In the 90s, how, like, like you know, as I'm saying, she has a spotty film career. It's like, well, do you really think Kathy is just, like, making bad choices? Like, chances are, you know, not every role is being thrown her way in 1992. Right. You know? Because they're giving um, them to these, you know, uh, 20-year-old actresses. Right. Well, good thing in 1993, she got a home of our own, which is a movie I've never seen, but I've always been aware of. It feels like, remember, um, remember that TV channel PAX? Yes. You know, that's yes, with I Supermarket like Sweep. Yeah. Yes. And it would, and it would always have like, this is a movie that would be on PAX. It was also, you know, like old episodes of like Walker, Texas Ranger would be on PAX oh, or like sure. a medicine woman, about, right? Medicine woman. Like there's one with like, uh, the, the guy from, uh, 
not the guy from Coach. There's one where a family starts on a homestead somewhere. It's one of those uh-huh. like move TV shows with like lots of white people and good like Christian values. Right. But well, because Pax I think is a Christian channel. I think it is. Yeah. 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 But I feel like a home of our own was a. a a movie that I feel like would often be on on PAX. Okay. So that's all I know about it, you know, well, but she was in it. Well, Mary, you know, I think this was a great start to the All Right Scary season. Uh, we are putting out these All Right Scary movies for the rest of the month, uh, and we'll also be putting out Dragula on this feed when that starts in a couple of weeks. But um, I'm, I'm happy to start with Misery, and we... Do you want to reveal what's next, or but maybe we should we should save that because uh, I know that we we planned it out, but uh, we should have it be a surprise. Yes. Yeah. Let's. You know, as much as I like when people tell me what the next week's episode is, I also like a little bit of a surprise. What we can tell you is that it is a spooky movie, and that if you are a Matreon. <laughs> Well, you know, I want to give them something. Uh, and if you're a Matreon, that you may have had an opportunity to vote on this. Mm. So you you don't know which one it is, but you know it's from that list. Right. And um, to be honest with you, as I'm saying this right now, I don't remember what next week's going to even be. So I couldn't even reveal it. Well, Marys, if you if you have any thoughts on the movie Misery, you can reach out to us via email at allrightmarypodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on the web at www.allrightmary.com, tasteofreality.com slash allright-mary, or you can find us on Twitter at allrightmary. Uh, and if you want, you can follow me on Instagram at johnnyalso or on Twitter at johnnyalso1. And, of course, you can hear more of me either on In the Details, a celebration of nuance where things are going to be getting spooky this month as well, uh, or on Best Supporting Podcast, celebration of Best Supporting Actresses. Uh, And you can get more of me on Twitter at Colin Drucker, Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore. And you can, of course, get more of both of us, including more All Right Scary episodes and our recaps of Drag Race UK Season 3 and so much more, including previous year's All Right Scaries, if you want even more spooky episodes at patreon.com slash allrightmary. Well, isn't that the best? Marys, thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Tot scenes, Mr. Man. The world is treating me bad. Misery. I'm the kind of guy who never used to cry. Sure.